0: To the pit. here we go. Woo! Stay on scene like a loving machine. Hey, hey. I got mine. Don't worry about it. No, no. Yeah,
1: loving machine. we
2: the manana's
3: if you love me enough to tolerate my perfect little pets and all their glorious dander then of course you'll visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to make sure i'm in the right
4: car seat
5: do something to feel okay to drive, you're not okay to drive. Don't drive buzzed.
6: full coverage of your Denver City Council begins now.
7: Good afternoon. Today's meeting is being interpreted into Spanish. Uh, Sam or Alejandro, uh, would you please introduce yourself and let our viewers know uh, how to enable translation on their devices?
8: Yes, thank you for having us.
9: Good, good, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Sam Guzman with the CLC, and along with my colleague Alejandro, we will be interpreting today's meeting into Spanish. If
10: you will give me a minute to give the instructions in Spanish on how to get uh, on how to access interpretation. Buenas tardes a todos, mi nombre es Samuel Guzmán con la CLC, y juntamente con mi colega Alejandro estaremos interpretando la reunión de hoy al español si desea escuchar la reunión en español. Simplemente a través de Zoom, vaya al icono de globo que dice interpretación y de ahí podrás seleccionar uh, la opción de escuchar en español. Muchas gracias and thank you very much.
7: Thank you, Sam. Welcome to the Denver City Council meeting of Monday, February twenty sixth, twenty twenty four. Council members, please uh, rise as you are able to join Councilman Flynn in the Pledge of Allegiance.
9: I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one each to God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
7: Thank you very much. And council members, please join Councilman Flynn as he leads us in the Denver City Council land acknowledgement.
9: The Denver City Council honors and acknowledges that the land on which we reside is the traditional territory of the Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho peoples. We also recognize the 48 contemporary tribal nations that are historically tied to the lands that make up the state of Colorado. We honor elders, past, present, and future, and those who have stewarded this land throughout generations. We also recognize that government, academic, and cultural institutions were founded upon and continue to enact exclusions and erasures of indigenous peoples. May this acknowledgement demonstrate a commitment to working to dismantle ongoing legacies of oppression and inequities, and recognize the current and future contributions of indigenous communities in Denver.
7: Thank you very much. Uh, Madam Secretary, roll call please. (coughs) Uh,
3: Alvizares? Here. Flynn? Here. Gilmore? Here. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Here. Hines? Here. Cashman? Here. Lewis? Present. Charity, here. Romero-Campbell, here. Sandoval, here. Sawyer, here. Watson, here. Madam President, here. 13 members present.
7: 13 members present, council has a quorum. Approval of the minutes, are there any corrections to the minutes of February 20th? Seeing none, the minutes stand approved. Council announcements, are there any announcements today? Councilwoman Gonzalez Gutierrez. Thank you, um, Madam President. I thought
5: I would just take the the liberty right now of wishing, um, today's a special day. It is my nine-year-old's birthday, so I wanted to wish uh, my son Isidoro a happy ninth birthday, and then on Friday was my daughter's 13th birthday. Yes, they're three days apart, uh, so you can only imagine how much running around I've been doing, but in the midst of all of that, um, also attending you know, town halls with my colleagues and maybe I'll let one of them talk about that, but, um, but just wanted to wish them both a very happy birthday.
7: Thank you, Madam President. Very good, happy birthday. Um, Councilman Cashman.
11: Yeah, thank you, Madam President. Um, you know, much has been uh, talked about in, in recent weeks and months about the amazing effort our city staff uh, has been doing to uh, appropriately welcome newcomers to our community. I also wanted to give a a real shout out to the community members who uh, have made an enormous contribution and without whom, uh, we'd be facing a much greater challenge than than we already do. Um, uh, The one group that gets a lot of press and, and deservedly so, the Highland Moms, a very large organization in Northwest Denver and there's groups around the city, but a couple I wanted to call out specifically in District 6 Uh, an organization called the Love Project, L-O-V-V-E, because it's centered in the Virginia Village uh, neighborhood, has been working for the past three or four years, uh, led by uh, Pamela Walsh, to serve 60 to 80 families uh, at Ellis Elementary. And with the increase of new students, we've just expanded that effort over to McMean Elementary, also uh, reaching out to Placebridge Academy another organization I wanted to mention one of our local restaurants mini chain of restaurants and probably a, a not quite a chain yet but little India restaurants contacted me a while back and said how can we how can we help and uh, just got a note that uh, about a week or so ago they uh, offered up uh, 600 meals. To uh, folks uh, staying overnight uh, in in the web building for a couple of nights during the cold spell, they offered up breakfast and lunch. So, like I said, we, we we know the challenge we face in in caring for our unhoused that need assistance, our newcomers to the city that need assistance, and without without the community's help, uh, we'd really be in a fix. So, just wanted to give that shout out along the way. Thank you, Madam President.
12: Thank you, sir. Councilwoman Lewis. Uh, Thank you, Madam President. Uh, First, I would like to publicly apologize to Councilman Watson, um, because I held a unity conference this afternoon, or this morning, um, at the MLK statue, and my intention was to call you and let you know that that was happening, and I did not, that was my oversight, my deepest apologies. Um, I I know for a fact you would have been at that um, press conference, and so I hope you take my forgiveness, please, and my apology. The second thing that I wanted to announce is that we are having community, um, having a town hall, excuse me, um, for our district at the end of the month. No, not this month march excuse me Um, in march and so we welcome all of you to that Um, and then our council office is actually in response to um, the folks within my constituents are having community panels Um, and those our first round which i'm very excited about of community panels will happen um, on saturday march 2nd Um, and the topics that we will be discussing is transportation public safety and climate Um, And so you do not have to be an expert in any of those topics. In fact, I hope that you are not. Um, So we can come up with some creative solutions um, for our district and for the city overall. Um, And then if we're gonna talk about birthdays, Tiffany would probably like for me to tell you that her birthday is
13: coming up and she's a Pisces. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank
4: you so much. Councilwoman Gilmore. Thank you, Council President. Uh, Wanted to uh, thank my colleagues. uh, Council members Lewis, um, Gonzalez Gutierrez, and Parody, along with Mayor Johnston, they joined uh, me on last Thursday for the ninth annual District 11 Town Hall. And so we had almost 200 community members come out and join us at the Evie Garrett Dennis campus. We had many city agencies. I will not even try to begin to list them all out. but they showed up as well uh, to address directly uh, questions from the neighborhood about projects and services that are needed or ongoing in the district, and it was so well attended. And uh, prior to the town hall, we also launched a survey in the District 11 office, and I'm really proud to report that we had over 750 residents who filled out that survey with close to 2,000 comments from folks sharing their ideas and concerns with us, and so really wanna thank um, my colleagues and the mayor and community uh, for coming out last Thursday. And then on uh, Saturday, it was an honor uh, to be in Council President Torres's district at West High School um, with Council Member um, Gonzales Gutierrez, um, Paradis, And then uh, Council President Torres, uh, along with Chief Thomas, Director Saldate, and I'm not gonna name others because I might miss you if you're in the audience, but it was um, very humbling and heartfelt to hear directly from youth in your district the needs and concerns that they're seeing and um, wholeheartedly support however we can amplify that voice and also thank um, Councilman Cashman for being in attendance as well uh, to, to give that space and time to, to hear from them. And so thank you, thank you, Council President. Thank you so much, Councilwoman Sawyer.
13: Thanks, Madam President. Um, As many of you know, every year we do a traffic study in District 5 of a problem road in the district. Um, So in previous years, we've done 6th Avenue, we've done 8th Avenue, we have done South Dayton Street, we've done, uh, we have done Uinta Way. Um, the 2024 traffic study is going to be Exposition Avenue between Quebec and Leedsdale, and it's gonna include that little inner triangle intersection right there in front of George Washington High School. Um, we do a community survey every year to um, hear from our constituents what their areas of concerns are, and that Leedsdale and Monaco intersection is the number one um, flagged Intersection in our district um, for traffic concerns. Uh, so we're really looking forward to that. And the first community meeting is going to be tomorrow night online. Uh, you can find out more information and sign up for it by going to our social media at Denver Council5. Um, we hope to see everyone there. And there's also a community survey. Um, we always start by asking community to identify um, the locations along the corridor that they see the largest challenges. Um, and flag that for us so that our traffic engineering firm knows where to do the traffic counts, um, amongst other things. So uh, please um, find out more about where to take that survey. Join us tomorrow night, 6 p.m. on Zoom for our first exposition traffic study meeting. Thanks so much. Thank you, Councilman Watson.
14: Uh, thank you, Council President. And, I, and I'd like to say to Councilwoman Lewis, thank you so much um, for um, holding that press conference. And for a lot of folks, um, maybe uh, in community who may not be aware of why Um, that press conference was necessary. Uh, There was, and and I can't even use the term vandalism, of the MLK statue, it was absolute hate uh, that has been demonstrated throughout our communities and demonstrated against people of color. Um, That statue means more to folks in community than simply just a symbol. Um, It's a place that we come together. It's a place that we celebrate um, um, family. It's a place that we actually look um, and listen to our ancestors. And so, uh, Councilwoman Lewis, thank you so much you know that we both stand in solidarity along with every member of council against hate um, in our city. Uh, I wanted to share uh, an event that actually will elevate kind of the, the joy of what uh, we as black leaders and black people in this city, what we uh, bring and how we show up in community. And we're hosting an event, council member Lewis and myself, along with Mary Johnston, uh, this Wednesday night at the Posner Center. Um, let me get the correct, the full address, 1031, 33rd Street, and it'll be a discussion about all things of impact to the black community. We encourage folks to come out to the event. It's 5.30 PM to seven o'clock PM at the Posner Center in Curtis Park. And I thank Councilwoman Lewis for co-sponsoring that event with me, as along with um, Mayor Johnston. Thank you, Madam President.
7: Thank you, and Councilwoman Alvarez.
15: Thank you, Council President. And thank you, Councilman Watson and Councilwoman Lewis about um, what a terrible thing that happened in our city. And I'm really um, standing and just verbally um, saying I'm in solidarity with you guys on this terrible, terrible tragedy. on a more positive note i like councilman Lewis have an aide that has a birthday this week so mark (laughs) montoya is watching from his office and he is also a pisces (laughs) Uh, having a birthday in a couple of days so happy birthday to him and um i just wanted to highlight that the denver parks and rec will be having a zoom town hall about the park legacy fund for their five-year plan on wednesday so
7: definitely look that up if that's something you
15: care about thank you council president
7: Thank you so much. And seeing no one else in queue, uh, there are no presentations, there are no communications, there are no proclamations uh, being read this afternoon. Madam Secretary, please please read the bills for introduction.
3: From the Finance and Governance Committee 24-0167, a bill for an ordinance approving a proposed purchase and sale agreement between the City and County of Denver and University of Denver for 2149 East Wesley Avenue in Council District 6. 24-0168, a bill for an ordinance authorizing capital equipment purchases in the General Government Special Revenue Fund. From the Land Use Transportation and Infrastructure Committee 24-0089, a bill for an ordinance changing the zoning classification for multiple properties in Hale. And 24-0161, a bill for an ordinance relinquishing, one, a portion of the easement reserved in ordinance number 24, series of 1939, recorded with a Denver clerk and recorder at book A-24, page 171. And two, a portion of the easement reserved in ordinance number 661, series of 1978, recorded with Denver clerk and recorder at book 1825, page 595, located at 1062, Aurora Parkway.
7: Thank you very much. Council members, this is your last chance to call out an item. Councilman Flynn, will you make the motions for us today? Uh, Yes, I will, Madam President, thank you. Thank you. I'll do a recap under resolutions. Councilwoman Parity has called out uh, resolution 258 for questions or comments. Councilwoman Parity has called out resolution 150 for vote. Councilwoman Lewis has called out Resolution 151 for a vote. Councilwoman Sawyer has called out an, uh, the same item for questions and comments. Council members Gonzales, Gutierrez, and Lewis have called out Resolution 73 for a vote. Councilwoman Lewis has called out uh, 159, 153, and 170 for questions and comments. Under bills for introduction, no items have been called out. Under bills for final consideration, Councilwoman Lewis has called out Bill 126 for questions and comments. Under pending, no items have been called out. Uh, Madam Secretary, please put the first item on our screens. Uh, this is a resolution approving a mayoral appointment to RTD Board of Directors. We'll start with Councilwoman Parity.
16: Yes, thank you much. so, so much, Council President. Um, I am excited that I believe Mr. Lewis is here in the chamber with us, um, and I have a couple of questions for him if he would like to make his way to the mic.
10: Thank
16: you. Yeah. No. Can thank you. Hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looks like we can. Um, so I I first just wanted to pause for a moment because I think um, the the sort of primacy of transit concerns in the city shows up in all of our inboxes. I have a bunch of constituent emails today about uh, funding out of the airport for roads, um, and we don't often because RTD is not you know a city entity, um, we don't always get the chance to have these conversations. So so on the occasion of your appointment, I wanted to first ask you to tell us a little bit more about. Um, your, very, your vast expertise in this area and also um, what you have in mind for the remainder of the term that you're filling, which is a limited period of time, but um, but I know you'll be ready to run with that ball. So that's the first question.
10: Sure. Um, so my name is Jamie Lewis. Um, I work for the Colorado Cross-Disability Coalition, which is a statewide organization that represents people with disabilities and we represent and protect their civil rights. Uh, I joined CCDC in 1999 as a board member, and about 10 years ago, the uh, board asked me to focus on transportation. Uh, Believe it or not, transportation was one of our big focuses after the Gang of 19 in 1978, that helped Denver uh, become a legacy city as far as uh, protecting people's rights and installing ramps on the bus. Uh, So I belong to a plethora of organizations including Denver Streets Partnership, the Alliance to Improve Transportation, Dr. Cog, uh, Dr. Mack. And what I do is I'm able to formulate policy from being with all those groups. Uh, So when the vacancy came up for District A, which was vacated by Kate Williams, unfortunately, because of health issues, uh, the mayor asked uh, if I would take that position for 10 months and I agreed. Uh, my two priorities for the for the 10 months is safety and improving performance for a paratransit. Right now, paratransit is lying between 70 and 75 percent for on-time performance. The national average is 92 to 94 percent. Safety is one of the biggest uh, obstacles for RTD to grow. And we not only need safety for our riders, but we also need safety for our drivers. RTD currently has a problem retaining drivers. They have no problem hiring them, but they have a hard time retaining them because of safety issues. Uh, So that's kinda like my elevator speech. I wanna thank all those council people that reached out to me and had coffee or talked to me on Zoom. We had great conversations and I'm here to answer any questions that you might have and i apologize for those who can't see me <laughs> uh,
16: thank you mr lewis thank you yeah thank you and i have one other question which is that um i did want to dig in a little bit on the issue of safety because i know um kind of from afar some of the history with rtd uh, thinking about their private security contracts versus when they use um, RTD's directly hired security personnel versus how they interact with local law enforcement, and trying to be really thoughtful about um, not creating situations where violence can escalate um, on transit um, because there are a number of transit users who um, are, are vulnerable in a lot of ways and might trigger that kind of law enforcement response absent, you know, uh, absent safeguards. So um, I think my question is. Um, whether you can sort of commit to um, making sure that, um, that you spend time with community groups who are a little more skeptical of armed uh, forms of security as the solution to safety um, and thinking really hard about, as RTD is putting more resources into safety generally, putting those resources into um, kind of alternate forms of crisis response. So whether that's social work- workers, whether that's people that um, just have the ability to get someone um, off of public transit and into services, um, looking at that as a model of how to keep people safe on
10: transit. There there has to be a balance between the armed, um, quote unquote, uh, police officer and people that do social work. And I did dig up some numbers for you because I was only notified this afternoon of this concern. So currently there are 77 officers on payroll, Uh, 25 of them are in the police academy. So that's the, the increase this year. Um, I do have to point out that since last year's increase, which I think they also added about 20 officers, there has been a downward uh, decline in violent crime. So there is something to be said about that. Currently, there are two clinicians. uh, Four are to be contracted within the next few months. So that would bring it up to six clinicians. Now, a clinician is a person who enters the bus and kind of monitors the bus for the bus driver. They kind of go to and from the front of the bus to find out if there's any issues that are happening and They're, they're kind of like more of a, a friendly approach uh, to tell the person, no, you cannot smoke that, or you know, your behavior is not uh, in line with what RTD expects of a, of a rider. And they'll help them exit the bus and then possibly give them um, direction or services the other uh, type of person is a homeless outreach uh, coordinator. Unfortunately, we only have one right now, and there will be five contracted in the next month. So I agree with you. I think there has to be a balance. So I think my my reaction to that was be let's see how this works and then do a review at the end of the year, and because there will be an addition of these clinicians and homeless outreach people, and uh, like I said, there is a decline in. Uh, uh, conflicts uh, with the extra officers officers that were added in 2023.
16: Thank you so much for that, and that was all my questions, Madam President. Great,
7: thank you, Councilman Hines. Uh,
17: thank you, Madam President, uh, Mr. Lewis. It's great to see you here. Um, uh, I am also a member of the Colorado Crest Disability Coalition, and you and I have worked together many times on on legislation. Um, but this isn't your first experience as uh, as an elected member is it
10: no i uh, i moved to colorado in 1996 i quickly got involved in local uh, affairs i had written a um am oh, trying to think of the word for a, a guiding a book that would get a resource book for the county chafee county uh providing information on medical and uh, other Uh, things that people could use and um, I found myself getting sucked into politics so I was a city council person for Salida for two years and then two years later I was the mayor of Salida so have a little bit of experience there
17: well um, I'm so glad that you've been sucked in um, (laughs) uh, to all of us suckers who are elected officials so um, and I I just want to I just want to thank you for your measured approaches uh, to um, uh, to access and uh, to make sure that we have uh, transportation uh, for everyone, including people with disabilities. Our uh, role in government is to make sure that we have provide access for all, not those convenient to uh, to, to represent. So, uh, so I'm elated that in 1978, Denver became the center of, of the disability rights movement nationally um, because of Wade Blank and the Gang of 19 and RTD, um, you know, was at, at that center. And so here we are uh, just a couple minutes later or <laughs> several decades later, and, uh, and we once again have uh, someone uh, in the community uh, that can also talk about, um, you know, access for everyone, including people with disabilities. So nothing about us without us is a common phrase that uh, Colorado Disability Coalition has said in the past and the present and with you, we'll have it in the future with RTD. So I'm so excited that uh, the mayor has chosen you and I'm, I'm looking forward to confirming you. Thank you, council president.
8: Thank
10: you very uh, much. Madam Chair, may I speak? Sure. I wanted to just say that, uh, you know, I think some of us have forgotten the history and the city of Denver are, and RTD have a great legacy when it comes to setting the standard uh, for accessibility for people with disabilities in transportation. So I just have to
12: say that, thank
7: you. Thank you for saying that, yeah. uh, Councilwoman Lewis.
12: Um, hello, um, it's good to see you, Jamie. Good to see you. Um, I did. Can you rattle those numbers off one more time? I didn't capture all. of Oh, okay.
10: Those. Um, there's 77 officers currently on board. Uh, 25 are, are in uh, the academy, uh, working right now. So, right now it's 52 physically working, sure. with 25 to come. There's currently two clinicians. Four will be added in the next few months, so that'll bring that up to six. The homeless outreach, unfortunately, has one coordinator, yeah. I'm disappointed, okay. and we'll be adding five in the next few months, so yeah. that will bring that up to six.
12: yeah Thank you. There's Whoa. hope, Jamie, I will say. It is disappointing, but there's hope. There was a lot of the work that I had started when I was on the RTD board to really begin to build those out um, as we were talking about safety. One of the things that I am that I, that I I hope that you were thinking about from a lens of safety is with our, um, um, contracts. So with the contracts that RTD has, you have the um, folks that are directly hired onto RTD, mm-hmm. um, you have the IGAs, the intergovernmental um, agreements, and then you have the allied security contract. And oftentimes we don't pay a lot of attention to the allied security contract but we also don't have a lot of oversight. We spend a lot of money but we don't have a lot of oversight um, over that security contract or authority over like what um, discipline might may even look like for Um, those who are potentially bad actors and so i hope that as you are thinking about what safety looks like for both the riders and our operators that we're looking at the um, allied security contract to ensure that we have that oversight and that accountability in place um, to ensure that our communities are safe Um, that's a comment i probably don't have any questions because we you and i have talked and i asked you all the questions um privately but i Also, um, what I heard oftentimes with our our RTD operators um, was that there were concerns around safety, but quite frankly, it's a position that um, previously you were able to take care of a family on, and you're not really able to do that. It's it's grueling. You have to work really rough hours. Um, You don't get paid great. Um, You don't get a lot of time off. And so I know um, General Manager Johnson is doing what she can um, to be able to rectify some of those things, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what additions you might be able to bring um, to the Regional Transportation uh, District because we have so many folks who are reliant on um, those services, but also so many incredible operators and frontline <coughs> staff who um, are taking care of our city. So thank you for your commitment and bless you.
10: <laughs> Madam Chair? Yes, sir, go ahead. Um, what are the you know i've worked i've actually trained bus drivers i had a contract where i would train the bus drivers in ada and how to deal with people difficult people even in our community disability and one of the things that's missing right now is recognition hmm. i don't know anybody in any job that doesn't like a pat on the back hmm. and right now i think that's one of the biggest issues we're having right now yeah. is we don't really, truly appreciate the driver's efforts like you just mentioned, mm-hmm. the sacrifice yeah. and the and the and the, and the incredible abuse they take during the day. Absolutely. So I'm going to be working with RTD. One of the yeah. ideas, and I don't want to take too much time, is we're thinking about taking portions of the bus, you know, how like they're wrapped with advertisement uh-huh. and ensure that there's a portion on that bus that's dedicated to educating. Yeah. educating our community. One, I think RTD has a bad habit of not marketing themselves very well. Yeah, uh, who knows way. that we serve 230,000 people a day?
18: Yeah.
10: You know, why don't we put pictures of our drivers on the bus? It would create that community connection with people. And I think it would help lower some of these incidences that are happening. So that is one of the projects I'm working on and putting education on the buses.
12: Or people. I look
10: forward
7: to seeing the work that you do jamie thank you <clears throat> thank you councilman councilman flynn uh, we're gonna play peek-a-boo? <laughs> I,
9: I i could see if you Can i, turn this I side could see you side right way way. where you were okay. uh thank you for the uh, uh the fun meeting that we had and uh god bless anybody who wants to put their put themselves forward to be on the rtd board uh having watched it over the decades I, I was dragged, kicking and screaming, so. <laughs> you were <a> dragoon. <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Lewis, and thank you. Uh, we served together with Councilman Cashman on the sidewalk task force that recently put out recommendations that uh, close tomorrow night uh, with online comments. Uh, but Madam President, I suggested to you and to Mr. Lewis, I wanted to give you the, the privilege, the uh, honor of having this item voted on separately now instead of being in the block vote. Uh, so, that uh, you don't have to sit through the rest of the meeting if, unless you so choose. Uh, so, Madam President, I would like to move that uh, Resolution 24 0258 be adopted.
7: Let's, um, we will take that motion. Let's finish up comments and then we will um, prompt that up for vote. Councilman Cashman.
11: Thank you, uh, Madam President. Jamie, good to see you. Um, we all bring particular areas of expertise to the jobs we fill. Um, uh, it, while you have experience as a member of the disability community, uh, my uh, after speaking with you, you're not a one-trick pony, okay? So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, we t- we talked about the need for more frequency uh, uh, on the RTD lines. Can you just talk about that for a minute, what, what your thoughts are?
10: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny, of all the, I think I inter- had, Eight interviews with the city council and each one about halfway through the conversation says you know we need more frequency (laughs) but the problem is funding Um, so there is a group uh, a group i'm working with right now this is not part of my RTD hat but i'm working with a group called alliance to improve transportation and we're looking at options Uh, we put out about two surveys that surveyed the entire rtd district looking asking people would you want more frequency of course the answer was yes now the tough question would you be willing to spend more money on it via a tax or fee and believe it or not it was a pretty high number um so there we have a starting point um so there is we uh, hired a contractor called MyGuard, and we've done some uh, mathematical equations looking for uh transfer propensity which means Mm -hmm. where does where would the the money be best used in the entire district of rtd and so i'm not going to go into the details but we are working on that and uh, we're hoping to present that uh, to different entities uh, including dr Cog, and rtd and hopefully maybe this body Uh, but we are working on trying to create a program that would actually help not just RTD, but all the transit agencies in the area to become more frequent, because it seems like that's what people want. They want to be able to walk up to a bus stop and know if they see the tailgate, you know, the, the exhaust pipe rolling away from them, that they don't have to check the schedule, but they would know that within 15 minutes, another bus is gonna come. Mm-hmm. And there, that might sound like a pie in the sky, but this is what people need. And By doing that, it would really give people an opportunity to either give up one or both of their vehicles. And that's something we all want. So, uh, yeah, Uh, obviously there's more details and there is a slide deck that I can share with any of the council that would like to see that. But uh, thank you for bringing that up.
11: Thank you. And the last thing I wanted to ask, uh, Jamie, it's my understanding that you've accepted this uh, nomination to fill the remaining months in Director Williams' uh, uh, turn, but that you don't intend to run for the post when it's up for reelection, is that correct?
10: That is correct. Um, There are two gentlemen that had already announced that they were running for this position. Um, After having a conversation with the mayor, we thought that uh, we're trying to shy away from these uh, uh, appointees and then getting the position Um, I know there's a lot of grumbling that 30% of our state legislature is full of of appointees. So we were trying to avoid that conflict. So, yes, I did agree, and I did promise that I would not uh, run in November. Now, saying that, there is a reform bill out there that you are familiar with that the state legislature is thinking of switching the elected positions to appointed positions. I would keep myself open for that. Great,
11: thank you very much, thank you. I look forward to supporting your nomination. Thank you, Madam President.
7: Thank you, sir. Um, Seeing no one else in queue, I just wanna add my thanks uh, for throwing your hat in the ring uh, for for this appointment. And we, I have not, we have not, since I've been on council, um, had to, to a point in this way, uh, to another, uh, to another board like this, and so um, I appreciate you taking <coughs> questions and being willing to have additional conversation with council members as we make this um, this selection and the value that I think uh, of an, not just an elected member, but somebody dedicated to a region for RTD uh, brings, and not just being available to residents of that area, but also knowing uh, what some of the nuanced issues might come up in uh southeast denver um and i think you it it covers other jurisdictions as well so i appreciate that and um also didn't want the opportunity to go by where we didn't acknowledge paul rosenthal who um will be a colleague of yours on the rtd board so thank you so much um uh, for being here and with that i will i've taken a motion councilman flynn seconded by councilman Hines. um madam secretary please do roll call
3: Alvides? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Lewis? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Sawyer? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President?
7: Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes, resolution 258 has been adopted. Congratulations and thank you. Madam Secretary, please put the next item on our screens. This is resolution 150, a uh, purchase order uh, for fleet vehicles. Councilman um, Flynn, will you please put resolution 150 on the floor for adoption?
9: Yes, I will, thank you. I move the council resolution be adopted.
7: Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. Comments by members of council. Councilwoman Parity.
16: Yeah, thank you, council president. Um, I wanted to uh, raise this up. This is a contract for um, purchasing replacement police fleet vehicles. Um, And I'm trying to take a close look at any of these sort of seven-figure contracts that are coming through the city right now because we know that we're um, at the outset of budget cut discussions, unfortunately. Um, And so... We've had some really good back and forth uh, with folks, um, both at Dotty and in Department of Safety about these fleet replacement schedules, how they prioritize vehicles for replacement and all of that. Um, and so without kind of second guessing that expertise in any way, um, I'm gonna be a no on this tonight because I would like to see it um, held back and put in the mix of the, of the discussion about how we're gonna make these really hard budget cuts. Um, so that's it, I don't have questions, um, but that's where I'm at, thank you.
12: Thank you very much, Councilwoman Lewis. i actually just have one question i ask this question often is how what's the system that we have in place to determine at what cadence we are replacing our fleets?
7: great thank you so much
12: thank you
19: hi good afternoon i'm michelle fuller and i'm one of the uh, commanders for the Denver police department one of the things i oversee is our fleet and i also have some subject matter experts here as well to assist um, the, one of the answers to that is the vehicles that we are asking for um, currently our current Denver Police Fleet, the Denver Patrol Vehicles. We are at about a 65 to 75 percent um, of them being classified as replacement vehicles. And replacement vehicles means these are vehicles that are way at the end of their life. They are um, hundreds of thousands of miles. We have some that have 150 to 170,000 on them. And they are way past warranty and costing upwards of a uh, million dollars a year just in, in uh, critical maintenance. Um, the way that that would be ideal um, to handle replacement vehicles is that about every five years or 75,000 miles would be the ideal to get the most uh, bang for the buck and the most fiscally responsible to have those vehicles overturned. And certainly there's been some environmental factors from you know, back with the great recession and COVID that slowed that. So that's why we are in the critical mass that we are now because again, 65 to 70% of our current fleet is past that replacement cycle. So, so then
12: we should anticipate that you all will probably be coming back again here soon um, if, if, if it's such a large percentage that are at the end of life.
19: So, and I can have, um, Finance speak to. We have this current one for this ask, and then I know we have um, fewer asks coming up in the next week or so, as we've had to break that order up. the The problem with that is that the manufacturer window only stays open for a short amount of time, and they only uh, you have a time and a vehicle quantity issue. I didn't know that um, beforehand that there wasn't a magic parking lot to get police vehicles, but if you have to put in that order in that time and that time is now Mm -hmm. and in fact it closed but they held it open for us um, just as a favor but if we don't order vehicles now even if we do order them now we won't get them until january of next year and they won't be ready to go uh, for a couple more months because we have to outfit them Mm -hmm. if this doesn't pass we will be in that same predicament amplified again next year Mm -hmm. and it will be about so we won't have vehicles for about two years and that fleet will continue to age.
13: Thank you. Emily Locke, I'm the Legislation and Policy Director for the Department of Safety. And, Councilmember, I think... Um, In case there's a broader question behind this specific request, I just wanted to clarify as well. We have our partners with General Services, Dottie and the Department of Finance here. Um, For citywide fleet replacement needs, there's a collaborative process that the agencies undertake together every year to be able to determine sort of what are the worst of the worst vehicles? What are our replacement needs? And then figure out what sort of budget can we allocate to that? And then how do we allocate that across all the city's needs? So I believe you can anticipate having some sort of um, comeback from the city every year in order to say, here's what we've identified, um, but that's gonna vary based on the operational needs that the agencies identify together.
12: Okay, and then one follow-up, it may not be for you, it may be for you, Commander. Um, you, you mentioned the percentage of vehicles that needed to be replaced, but we're looking at 23 currently, and so why not more if it takes if, if it's such a long process to actually get them on the streets?
19: And, and that's a great question, and Sergeant Jason Brake can also talk to that. What, again, we fall back on is the manufacturers Uh for nationwide, Ford, you know, the major manufacturers, Chevy, only say, only allocate um, their staff to say, we're going to produce patrol vehicles, police patrol vehicles for this amount of time and utilize their, um, their workforce. Then that cuts off. So they only say there's so many for everybody, for all the agencies. So then we have to allot for and ask for what we can also get approved for you know, through the long bill. And because of those lean years, Great Recession, COVID, um, that's why we are a little bit behind, um, because even then we would only get approved either for none or for a handful. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're a little behind. And if you have anything to add,
20: am Jason Brake, the Fleet Superintendent for the Denver Police Department. Um, one of the issues that comes up every time we go to order, and, and it happens, for everyone who buys cars is, like she said, there's an allotment of cars. That's why you're gonna see three um, things come before City Council. N- none of the three, the big three that make police cars could make enough cars for our need. Mm-hmm. So that's why we have three asks. Ford, Stellantis, which is Dodge, and GM. And so that's why we put them in three different orders, and that's why it's broken out like that, because that's all they could provide to us at that time. Okay,
12: and then one more question. I, I don't drive so this is really for my constituents more so than I but it's my understanding that many people will drive their cars to like 200k why not why are we why do we cut off that 75 like what's does it does that increase maintenance I'm just curious
20: yeah um, that's a good question it's an industry standard um, for police vehicles because of the use and the um, amount of wear and tear mm-hmm. that a police vehicle suffers that within that five years and 75,000 miles, many major components of the vehicle are worn out, oh. which causes a substantial risk to the motoring safety of everyone, not, not just the officer, but everybody we're driving around in, because you don't want the wheels falling off the police car at 70 miles an hour going to a call. So we have followed the industry standard, and it's followed by all major jurisdictions in the United States. Um, I work with people in NYPD and Michigan State Police, LAPD, um, it's it's basically an
7: industry standard. Okay, that's it. Thank you so much. Thank Councilman you, Councilman Flynn.
9: Thank you, President. <clears throat> I'd like to ask Chief Thomas uh, because when I read Emily's memo uh, last week, it uh, really came home to me that uh, these have real these purchases have real implications on the street and service delivery. But what is the operational impact of having to use so many of the reserve vehicles, which are really vehicles that have outlived their their useful life as we have defined it and would be replaced certainly appreciate that question so chief thomas Denver police department um so
21: you know obviously um we have a lot of uh vehicles that seem to be you know past the end of their uh normal life cycle what what um results from that is we often have cars that go down they have to be turned into the shop they are often kept much longer than other cars and so um, you know, it's difficult for us to keep the number of vehicles that we need in order to have you know enough cars for officers to respond to calls for service. So obviously, the ultimate impact of not having enough uh, uh, replacement vehicles for our fleet is an inability to respond to calls for service in a timely manner.
9: Chief, do you know uh, have there been shifts in any of the five uh, districts, police districts, where? there were not enough vehicles to staff each precinct car. Uh, thankfully, it doesn't happen
21: that often, where but we it does don't happen. have um, enough uh, cars to, to send individual officers out in precinct. You know, there there are, have been occasions where we'll have to double up officers That's, or something right. like that. But I mean, I think that is not optimal to, to double up officers because obviously now we're sending two officers to a call that only takes one officer, right. and it just lengthens our, our response times.
9: I see. I have a very good uh, constituent who is a police volunteer who uh, drives vehicles for servicing out to Roslyn all the way from District 4. And so he's been telling me about the, uh, some of the uh, maintenance problems that some of these vehicles have had in District 4. I don't know about the other police districts. But uh, so without these new cars, what I heard was we would be a year behind and then we'd have to work harder to catch up which would be difficult because of the production, the assembly line schedules at Ford or GM to produce these specific kinds of vehicles.
21: Yeah, that's a fair statement.
9: All right, thank you. Uh, I guess, Madam President, I would. I, I, what I would suggest is that it is the responsibility of this body to respect all of our employees and give them the tools necessary to do their job on the agenda tonight as well is the authorization for DOTI to purchase two uh, compost collection trucks that together are over $800,000 in cost. Now that's through a state grant, so it's not coming out of our general fund. But the fact is that we we have an obligation and a responsibility to outfit our workforce, whether it's the trash solid waste collectors, whether it's uh, neighborhood inspectors or park rangers or fire Fighters or police officers with the equipment that is needed to do their job. So I intend to support this, and I hope that uh, that my colleagues will continue to support this. Thank you, Madam President.
7: Thank you, Councilman Watson. Uh, thank you, Madam President. I have kind
14: of a finance question concerning, um, and thank you, Chief Thomas, for what you just shared. But I, I have a, a finance question specific to the uh, ongoing costs for maintenance so who can speak to that um we currently have older vehicles um that obviously aren't um performing at their highest level um does do you have a sense of what that actual ongoing cost for maintenance for um leveraging or using these older vehicles um, in service
20: um the total breakout cost for there are, there are over 1500 items in the denver police fleet And I should mention that we manage the Denver Police Fleet, the Denver Sheriff's Department, the County Court Marshal and the District Attorney's Office out at Fleet Management. So when I break out those costs, um, I have to kind of count those cars in there as well. But the um, the highest cost ratio is for patrol cars as they're the highest usage and take the most wear and tear. Um, On average, we're well over a million dollars a year just in maintenance costs for those cars. Um, sometimes closer to 3 million. Um, We have done um, what they call cannibalizing. We take cars that are wrecked and we cannibalize as many parts as we possibly can off the car. And over the five years I've been here, we've saved over $3 million in taxpayer uh, money in cannibalizing where we don't purchase. We call it cost diversion. Um, But um, that is when they, as they get older, that number just continues to rise because when we first start with the car, it's under warranty. Things are covered by the manufacturer. We take it to the dealership. The only thing we lose is downtime. As they get older, we have to replace control arms, suspension, things like that, that you really don't wanna have to replace, quite honestly, uh, transmissions, engines. Then cost is exponential. Um, and as, as people know who've owned a car, um, as the car gets older and the costs get higher, there has to come that breaking point in your personal budget to go, this is a money pit and I have to get out of it. And I'll be honest with you, as the fleet superintendent, we have a lot of money pits. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to be a very um, responsible fiscal steward of the taxpayer dollar. Um, And uh, at this point, we're in a very bad situation. It affects call response time to Chief Thomas's comment. Um, But we're also to the point where we can't find parts. Things are very expensive when we do find them. Um, It increases downtime, it increases labor for my technicians. they, they're just very expensive to operate once they get past a certain age, and we are well past that.
14: And one final question. We spoke to depreciation of the existing uh, fleet, but there's also infl- inflationary cost with your fleet purchase. Um, so year over year, what would you say would be kind of your year over year kind of inflationary cost for um, purchasing vehicles? So, for example, you don't purchase this year. Do you have a 2% um, expectation of increasing costs, 3%, 10%? What, what is the inflationary side of that cost
20: Yeah, Also a good question. Um, prior to COVID, we had a 5 to 8%. Um, COVID brought some challenges with uh, manufacturers even being able to acquire parts. So we have seen costs go up as high as 13% um, on some of the manufacturers. So um, we, uh, when I put together my prospectus, I look at uh, anywhere between ten and fifteen percent every year. If things don't change, um, basically in the world, it, it's a it's a worldwide problem. Quite honestly, so putting this
14: up, increasing the numbers, the cost just simply increases every year. So we're creating a, a greater financial impact. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much. Thank, thank, thank you, sir. Madam
17: President.
7: Thank you, Councilman Hines.
17: Thank you, Madam President. Um, don't don't go too far. Um, question for you about um so kind of t- started talking about maintenance um are we current uh, do we uh, do we have um does denver have a full um complement of fleet mechanics sorry
20: stick up here yeah that's what it's like don't <laughs> go oh. far um yes sir we do we uh, finally got to 100% this year um and i'm just waiting for one uh, csa employee for the back office but other than that we are at full complement
17: Got it, because um, I do seem to recall in years past where we didn't even have enough uh, mechanics, and so uh, part of the issue is that we couldn't, even if we had the parts, we couldn't get the parts back on the vehicles to get them back into service.
20: That is correct. For two years, we ran at 56% staffing.
17: Yeah, uh, well, I'm so happy to hear that we're back up to uh, to 100%. Thank so you. We? Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Council President.
7: Thank you, Councilwoman Sandoval. Yeah, thank you. One question I have is, is the 1 million
17: about
3: a little bit over for a 2024 model, 2025 model, 2022 model, what do we get for? Uh,
2: A little hard of hearing. So
3: for the $1 million, what year model do we get? Is this like a 23 model,
5: 24 model? Brand
20: new, these will be 24s. The model year will come out. They open the purchase in the beginning of 23, usually their order window. But it's for 24 models
3: 24 models and then do you have to do any retrofitting to them once they get to denver
20: not necessarily in some cases we have um back in 14 uh, between 14 and 16 ford changed the whole front clip of the explorer and we had to do quite a bit of changing and retooling to prepare for that because we also have a body shop i'm not sure if you are aware of that um and we had to do some retooling in there to when we were cannibalizing to try and figure out how to make fit and make it work so the car didn't look like an old song um, but um, we don't necessarily with the new cars and when we order part of the request that we ask for is also for the equipment that goes in the car So that'll be the cages, Mm -hmm. uh, the plastic seats in the back, all that. So we don't necessarily have to retool for any of that. Every model year will come with what's current from Havis and Satina and all those companies.
7: Got it, thank you. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you very much. (coughs) All right, seeing no one else in queue, Madam Secretary, roll call please on Resolution 150.
3: Alvarez? Aye. Flynn, Aye. Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Nay. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Lewis? Nay. Parody, Nay. Romero-Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Sawyer? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President?
7: Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results.
3: Three nays, ten ayes.
7: Ten ayes. Resolution 150 has been adopted. Um, Thank you for all the answers to the questions. Madam Secretary, please put the next item on our screen. This is Resolution 151, uh, an amendment, um, excuse me, for on-call professional services for tech services. Uh, Councilman Flynn, will you please put Resolution 151 on the floor for adoption?
9: Uh, yes, I will, Madam President. I move that Council Resolution 24-0151 be adopted.
7: Thank you, and that's been moved and seconded. Comments by members of Council, who start with Councilwoman Sawyer.
13: Thanks, Madam President. Um, This is a tech services contract that um, we called out and voted down a couple of weeks ago. It's an on-call contract, um, and that was something, reporting on that was something that we had not been receiving from tech services um, quarterly. I just wanted to flag for everyone um, that I have spoken with the mayor's office and that they have implemented a process not only for tech services, but for every agency that has on-call contracts to be reporting to us quarterly on the usage of those on-call contracts so just wanted to say thank you to the mayor's office for putting that in place um and with that i will not be i will be in support of it um, because i don't have a problem with on-call contracts i understand why they need to exist um but i also wanted to um make sure that we're being reporting that the reporting that's required for us to have oversight is being done on the back end so It took the three and a half years, you guys, but we're here and I'm very excited about it. So thanks to the mayor's office for that. Thank you.
12: Thank you, Councilwoman Lewis. I I actually did have just a few questions about this contract Um, as an an on-call contract. I'm so sorry, excuse me. Um, Let me pull up my notes here. So why is this an on-call contract? How are these services provided um, by this contract? Contract different than the ones provided by our city tech services?
19: Yes, so my name is Reed Roebuck. I'm the life cycle management program manager within technology services. So, this is an on call contract to uh, provide specialized skills that technology services needs to support the projects that we have within the organization.
12: So getting, you kind of trailed off of Sorry, it's uh, to
19: support the projects that we have within technology services with specialized skills that we need to support those.
12: Could we hire folks with that skill to actually be on staff?
19: We could, but this gives us a fixed cost for the uh, time that we need them for the project that they may not be needed afterwards.
12: Oh, they're short-term
7: projects. Got it, okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Councilwoman Parity.
16: Yeah, I just wanted to echo the thanks to the mayor's office and also thank Councilmember Sawyer for um, being an advocate for us to get this information because I agree it's really, really useful to my office in trying to understand um, where those dollars are actually going, um, in particular, because sometimes those contracts count towards our uh, minority and woman-owned business quotas, and so um, we want to make sure that we're actually utilizing um, those folks. If we, uh, you know, if we use them through on-call contracts to meet those goals, um, among just a lot of other things. So, um, thanks, thanks to everyone. Um, that's all I got. Thanks.
7: Thank you very much. Um, seeing no one else in queue, um, I'm not sure we needed a vote, but Madam Secretary, roll call on Resolution One Five One.
3: Alvides? Aye. Flynn?
9: Aye.
3: Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines Aye. Cashman? Aye. Lewis? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Sawyer? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President?
7: Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Resolution 151 has been adopted. Thank you, folks, for being here. Uh, Madam Secretary, please put the next item on our screens. Resolution 73, approving an agreement between the city and LAZ Laz Parking Midwest. Councilman Flynn, will you please put resolution 73 on the floor for adoption?
9: Certainly, I move that council resolution 24-0073 be adopted.
7: Thank you, and that's been moved and seconded. Comments by members of council. We'll start with Councilwoman gonzalez Gutierrez. Thank you, Madam President. Uh, I, I have had a couple
5: conversations uh, over the last week. I appreciate um, DDPHE getting back to us on some of the questions that we had around what um, the, the use of the parking is going to be for, um, and, and that was very helpful. Um, but some other concerns have arisen, and I'm hoping that, I don't think anybody's here tonight to necessarily answer questions, but I did want to just put these out there as concerns that have been flagged um, with regards to um, uh, how the contractor um, L.A.Z. or Laz is is handling um, the, its employees, uh, and and I think that that is um, a big question that I have around, um, you know, making sure that the collective bargaining agreement is being honored um, in their contracts, and and that they are working with the union, because I've I've heard some flags raised around what is happening there and what is that communication because it's my understanding that CBA is is shared or was shared during the RFP process um, at which point then it should be communicated of what uh, what wages people are making um, and also what kind of uh, uh, PTO that they have available to them um, and so I'm hearing some some uh, concerns I don't know that again that anyone's here to necessarily answer the questions but i'll just state them for the record um is just asking about you know for for the contracts um you know what is the maximum or minimum of what employees are allotted when it comes to pto um and what happens if somebody that has been with the company for um a really long time and and accrues a larger amount of pto and if they are accruing over the amount are they still able to hold their pto that they've already accrued or do they lose it um and then the other questions that i have are around the minimum starting pay for folks um is my understanding that it's, uh, it's it says um actually i'm not sure exactly what it says in this contract but i think there's a concern that the the hour hourly wage if it is 22 dollars an hour um, that there are people who are more senior employees that um, are having to take a pay cut so that they are coming into compliance with that um, $22 an hour wage for incoming employees. And so, you know, that's taking a hit for folks at least any, anywhere between, you know, 73 cents an hour and in really egregious cases up to, I think, $10 an hour. Um, and so I just want to make sure that and, and you know relay this to whomever the contractor um, that we are you know that these conversations are happening in good faith that there are ongoing conversations um, and that there is proper representation. Thank you, Madam President.
12: Thank you very much, Councilwoman Lewis. Uh, <clears throat> a few questions regarding this: Is the parking lot attached to the Denver Post building? Thank you, Will. Hey, Will
2: from DDPHE. I think the question was: Is the garage attached to the Denver, Denver Post building? Yes. yes, it is. It,
12: it is it. old? Who, who owns it?
2: The Denver Post building owns both buildings. It's a part of the Denver Post. Oh, building. it
12: is. Yes. Okay. In the in the printed materials, it said it was adjacent, and I wasn't quite sure what that meant. That's yes. why I asked uh,
2: the attached. I mean, it's you know, they're they're all it's all part of the same building.
12: Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, uh, so, what specifically is included in the expansion of the contract? Is it more time? Is it more space? Is it both?
2: Good question. It's it's uh, ten months. Uh, the contract does last actually for another year, and I think it adds two hundred thousand for another for a new total of six hundred seventy-five thousand. Our judgment is that um, we need to extend the contract so that we have parking space, and we also need to add more money so that the two kind of align. Uh-huh. Um, this is for, as I wrote, for you know uh, about. 30 spots that include 18 or so tandem spots for two folks. And these are used by investigators from the multiple different programs we have department-wide, including in environmental quality and public health investigations, folks from community behavioral health. Um, But yes, it it does add um, time and space. It doesn't, I I don't think um, the different tandem spaces, the non-reserve spaces, um, if, if there are any adjustments there, they're small, those are mostly the same and that total amount figure, that's a cap of the contract. EDPHE isn't locked into that amount for the lifetime of the agreement. Um, if for whatever reason we didn't use, we, we used fewer of the types of spots one month, mm-hmm. um, and of course if we wanted to, to cease the contract altogether for any, any reasons we could, um, as long as we provided a 30-day notice.
12: So so quick question for you. If um, If the city purchased the Denver Post building, would the city then manage its own parking spaces?
2: Good question. We've been in touch with real estate a little bit related explicitly to this agreement. If DDPHE were no longer going to be tenants of the building, Mm -hmm. we could again cease the agreement with a 30 days notice. So I think the answer is it it depends because DDPHE and Parks and Rec are the prime users of this agreement under this contract. um, If we purchased the building but then moved DDPHE or Parks or anyone who is utilizing this contract and had to restructure it and... and, um, And have you approve it again we we would do so at at, at this point the answer is it
12: depends okay that's helpful uh what other locations uh does uh, DDEPHE have available for parking um, and where are the closest uh, alternatives
2: good question there are not a lot of great alternatives um that building being you know part of the building or adjacent to it is our our primary uh, means of parking I, i don't use it again it's really reserved for the investigators who have investigations citywide and need the ability to pop in and grab really important equipment, um, safety equipment, other equipment that they need for their many types of investigations. Uh, you know, meet with a, a supervisor or have another staff meeting. Sometimes it's multiple times a day. It's for those field investigators, not for other DDPHE. Um, employees and as far as other alternatives, I know that as part of the contracting process, our my colleagues um, did did search out alternatives, and this is by far the best and most convenient option for our for our people.
12: Um, last question for you, Will. What are some of the alternatives that you all were able to identify? You might not have that off the top of your
17: head.
2: yeah. So you know, for example, um, I wrote to you how we use this parking garage for not the big Wellness Winnie itself, but for two of the vans that support Wellness Winnie programming. The Wellness Winnie is so big, we actually park it, I think, in Police District 4. Uh, we, we, we have a had,
12: space at eight if you want to come
2: uh, You know, it, c- categorically, um, I think we looked at other lots, not nearby, but um, really identified that at the cost, and again, mostly the convenience of being at part of the building or adjacent to it, that it, it really was the only option.
12: Okay, thank you so much.
7: But, but I'd be
2: happy to follow up with more specifics. Okay.
7: That's easy. All right, cool. Great. Thank you. I've got three council members in queue. Councilman Hines. Uh,
17: thank you, council president. Um, Councilmember Gonzalez Gutierrez uh, mentioned a bit about um, uh, the salaries. Uh, I, I haven't had the opportunity yet to connect with Laz about uh, about this particular uh, contract. I will just give uh, a demonstrative example Um Council Bill 24-22, we just passed through uh, council on January 29th, and um, and that was uh, another contract with Laz Parking. And on slide eight, that um, did say current employees making an average of $2,250 an hour will receive a raise to $29 per hour. And so I used that as a determinant um, uh, on my vote, and uh, and so I'm just using that as a uh, just a demonstrative example that. Um, I hope that we have the conversation and uh, and it's just a misunderstanding, but um, uh, I just thought I'd share to extend what Council Gonzalez Gutierrez said. Thank you, Council President.
7: Thank you, Councilman Flynn. Uh,
17: thank you, Madam President.
9: I don't know if uh, True Apodaca from SEIU would be available to uh, address a question that I had about this. Uh, they, rep- they represent, you have a collective bargaining agreement that with, uh, ABM out at the airport for uh, the parking there, and that's transitioning to LAS in February when the CBA expires, and you would negotiate a new one with with uh, LAS. Uh, does the single CBA cover all of LAS Parking's uh, facilities that they manage downtown or at the airport or anywhere else, or do you have separate CBAs for each location?
0: Only at
17: the airport with,
9: with LAS. I'm sorry?
17: Only at the airport. contract.
9: Okay. Okay. Are the workers at the Denver Post Building not part of the uh, union? Uh,
0: not part of that unit. Okay. Thank you.
9: Yeah. Thank you. And I guess, Madam President, I, uh, this discussion seems to center more on the upcoming CBA uh, negotiations at uh, for DIA, or DEN, as they want me to call it, under penalty of whatever. Uh, but this contract, we are not contracting with Laz to manage a city facility. We are, it's not a question. <laughs> uh, we
19: are. <laughs> 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 we, uh,
9: what we're doing here is we're prepaying our annual parking in that building. And uh, uh, to the prior question about the, the parking in that building, because I used to park there when it was, Uh, Rocky Mountain News and Denver Post, there are actually two separate garages in the building. I think it's a total of 600 spaces, 600 plus, according to our briefings on the the purchase and sale agreement. And uh, the Denver Post used to park in the underground, which is accessible off of Broadway, and the Rocky parked in an entrance above ground uh, that was accessible off Cleveland Place. And so by approving this uh, agreement we are paying our parking bill for the coming year. If we don't approve it, we have to find, as you outlined just a little earlier, we have to find another parking place for all of these employees. So, uh, Madam President, I suggest to to you and the colleagues that that this needs to be approved and we will monitor and assure that that a fair outcome uh, results with the negotiations at DIA. Thank you.
7: Thank you, sir. Councilman Watson.
14: And I just had an overarching question, Will, and this is a question for you, so do you mind coming forward? Um, So my question, since there was a lot of discussion on on the contracts, and I know now we have even gone over to Den um, discussing that, so I'm going to leave that aside and go directly back to the parking garage down here. If um, you and your team um, contract for services, um, do you normally dictate the rate of which the contractor compensate their your the the employees no you don't no no, I, no we
2: don't um i would kind of share something that my colleagues in the city attorney's office pointed out to me kind of peripheral to this um just that we memorialize within the contract through an amendment um, just that the contractor comply with Denver wage laws, which was something that existed in code, of course, before this agreement. But um, as part of memorializing and putting it in the contract, they acknowledge their awareness of several different employment wage issues, um, which we th- appreciate and it's just kind of good faith in putting that in the agreement. But no, we are not we are not involved in any of those conversations or transaction between the employee and the employers. Uh,
14: thank you, Will. Thank you, Madam President.
7: Thank you, Councilwoman. I'll be
22: this.
15: One last question, just to wrap up. So this contract is approving us to rent parking spaces through the end of the year.
22: Correct.
2: Uh, through the end of next year. Through we the have end an existing of next agree- year. We have an existing agreement, and by mm-hmm. our assessment, we, ne- we will need to add both time and money to the agreement.
15: And then, so we'll be paying rent to ourselves once we purchase this, because this is part of the purchase to the Denver Post. No, I,
2: I I don't think it. I don't think so. if, but, if that, if, <coughs> mm-hmm. go ahead. No, go ahead. If we sell the building Mm -hmm. and that impacts the agreement, we would have to amend it or terminate it. You mean if we buy the building? Right. Yes. Sorry. If if we buy the number post building and we have to change this agreement, we would amend it or terminate it and get another one. We Mm -hmm. wouldn't therefore be paying ourselves. So we
15: could cancel this at no cost. It
7: would thirty days notice. Okay. Through simply
2: giving thirty days notice, even without cause, we can cancel this. We can terminate this agreement.
7: Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Will. That's um, been moved and seconded. Um, Madam Secretary, roll call please on Resolution 73.
3: Alvidres? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Lewis? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell?
22: Aye.
7: Sandoval? Aye. Sawyer? Aye. Watson?
3: Aye. Madam President?
7: Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes, resolution 73 has been adopted. And just a um, time check for my colleagues. We've got a couple other items coming out and we've got 16 minutes in this session. So just be timely um, unless uh, we need, otherwise we move this to the 5.30 session for final vote. Um, And to finish up questions and comments, uh, Madam Secretary, please put the next item on our screens. Resolution one five nine. This is a, an uh, amendment with the Colorado uh, Health Network. Councilwoman Lewis, please go ahead with your questions on Resolution one five nine.
12: Oh, um, thank you for this for funding this.
7: Oh, <laughs> and and I will say this is a block. I think of one five nine one five three and one seven zero. Okay, <laughs> go ahead.
12: You. Uh, so we can we can skip uh, zero for the sake of time I just I just thought it was really important that we um, could uh councilman councilwoman Parody and i did a proclamation um, for eighth day and I just was very excited to see this these dollars um, allocated um, for this cause, yeah, so that's right.
7: it oh, okay yeah thank you so much yeah um mm-hmm. do you want to call up the other ones or is that the same comment for
12: tell me what we got we got zero one seven zero.
7: absolutely is one that... five nine one five three and one seven zero
12: <laughs> I, I can we can do them individually if you'd like um, no, we can do it. One five three star. Just very excited to see the star program um, getting additional dollars. Such a benefit to our community. Um, thank you, Councilwoman Parity. And then, what was the last one? One seven zero. One seven zero. Accessible shuttle service for Red Rocks. Oh, I have to say something about this. Thank okay, you so much. Um, so I'm really excited to see accessible shuttle service for uh, to Red Rock, to Red Rocks, um, and uh, want to see this continue to expand. And also would have to take the opportunity to talk about the Connector in Montbello and hope that we can continue to expand on that service as well because it's absolutely beneficial to our community. Love it. That is all. Have a great day. Thank y'all. you. Didn't mean to <laughs>
3: <laughs> pressure.
7: put pressure on I you felt know. like I was playing bingo. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, and they didn't see anyone else come into queue. Um, let's see. 170 I think was in that, we have 126. And that is uh, questions and comments. Um, Councilwoman Lewis, um, or Madam Secretary, will you please put up um, Bill Bill 126 for question and comment, and this is the RTD Eco Pass. And we'll go to Councilwoman Lewis with her questions or comments.
12: Yeah, so so I um, had a question about this, about the, uh, percentage of folks who work for den who had access to eco passes and i learned that it's about 33 percent of the employees who have access to eco passes and so i just wanted to just like make a public commitment that we figure out how we can expand to make sure that the folks who work for den um, have access to eco passes and can take public transit because it's important to me that is all
7: 100 yeah uh kevin not sure if you wanted to comment on that one at all or you're also coming, you'll just take back the comment to Jim. That's who sent me that
16: number. <laughs> sure thing. Uh, good afternoon, Kevin Forget, Manager of for Legislative Affairs at uh, the Airport. Um, appreciate your comment. Happy to uh, provide any additional information. But we agree that you know uh, getting um, access to the airport is important, and we're going to continue to work on that.
7: Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. Appreciate your email. Absolutely. Involved.
17: Thank you.
16: Great.
7: Thank you so much, Councilwoman um
16: Kevin, I'm so sorry. Come back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, I just had a follow-up question on this. Is there a reason why we couldn't um, actually require concessionaires to offer um, these items to their employees as a term of Den's contract with the concessionaire rather than just doing it as kind of an incentive?
19: So um, 100% of the concessionaires are offering the ah. um, the um, RTD pass. So the 33% was just was more at large
16: all um, employers. So that' um, for, with concessionaires, it is 100%. And I do believe
19: Brandon Cyrus who has more information on the concession may be online, so he can certainly answer that, but with, with the concessionaires, it's
16: 100%. Okay, um, and so is that because we require that of them or is that just something that they've, they've taken up voluntarily within the category of concessionaires?
23: We've worked it into their contracts, the concession agreements.
16: Okay, so I think the question the question of interest then would be um, working into agreements with more of the employers out at the airport. Um, and I don't have a follow-up question about that, but I'm interested in that in that and would love to talk more about it. Thank so, you. Thank you.
7: Thank you very much. Okay, seeing no one else in queue, that concludes the items to be called out. All bills for introduction are ordered published. Council members, remember this is a consent or a block vote and you'll need to vote aye. Councilman Flynn, will you please put the resolutions for adoption and the bills on final consideration for final passage on the floor?
9: Uh, Yes, I will, Madam President. I move that resolutions be adopted and bills on final consideration be placed upon final consideration and do pass in a block for the following items. All series of 24. 258, 165, 166, 170, 172, 149, 160, 162, 163, 164, 153, 159, 169, 126, 102, 133, and 124.
7: Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. Madam Secretary, roll call, please.
3: Alvitres? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Lewis? Aye. Parity? Aye. Romero-Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Sawyer? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President?
7: Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Resolutions have been adopted and the bills have been placed upon final consideration and do pass. Tonight, there are no public hearings. If there are no objections from members from Council, we will recess until 5.30 p.m. before reconvening the regular meeting. Council will provide a half-hour general public comment session to hear from the public on City Matters, except for those scheduled for a legally required public hearing. General public comment session will begin at 5 o'clock.
6: The Awards is an annual celebration recognizing the outstanding contributions and talents of the LGBTQ+ community within the state's nightlife and entertainment industry. Launched 5 years ago, the event serves as a platform to honor excellence in various categories, including drag performance, bartending, fashion design, allies, and more, while fostering unity and inclusivity among attendees. For the first time the miami heat is back in denver since losing last year's championship to the nuggets they'll be seeking redemption on february 29th this is a game you don't want to miss so make sure you get your tickets now the girls and science event connects girls with women mentors in stem careers to allow girls to ask questions get inspired and explore the many diverse opportunities a future career in science, technology, engineering, arts, and math can bring. The whole family is invited for a night all about igniting a passion for science. Try it on, test it out, and play. No matter what the weather is like, the district comes alive on March 1st as thousands descend upon Santa Fe Drive for the first Friday Art Walk from 5.30 to 9.30 p.m. View art from hundreds of artists in galleries, studios, co-ops, upstairs, downstairs, in alleys, on the street, everywhere. When a tornado rips through Kansas, Dorothy and her dog, Toto, are whisked away in their house to the magical land of Oz. They follow the yellow brick road toward the Emerald City to meet the wizard, and en route, they meet a scarecrow, a tin man, and a cowardly lion. The wizard asked the group to bring him the broom of the Wicked Witch of the West to earn his help. Witness this American classic like never before with the full score performed live by your Colorado Symphony. Celebrate 303 Day with a night full of music. See the popular Denver native group 303, Matt and Kim, Lovely the Band, and more at the Mission Ballroom. Visit missionballroom.com For more information and to purchase your tickets. Rap superstar Nicki Minaj will be at Ball Arena March 3rd. She'll be performing her hit songs and songs off her new album, Pink Friday 2. Tickets are still available. That's a quick look at what's happening in Denver this week. And stay updated on all things Denver by checking out our socials.
20: Clearing sidewalks after snowstorms helps ensure the safety and mobility of our entire community. This is important especially for senior citizens and people with disabilities. What's inconvenient to you could be dangerous or even life-threatening to them. Be sure to shovel your entire sidewalk. A wheelchair needs a minimum of 36 inches to pass. And if your property has a curb ramp, be sure to clear that entirely as well. Residents and businesses alike need to help make our community safe and accessible for all.
6: Reach new heights with Elevating Denver, the monthly program dedicated to the people, events, and services in the Mile High City. In February on Elevating Denver, get mortified with teenage angst from an adult lens. March 4th,
7: sign-up begins at 11 a.m. on this Friday, March 1st, and we look forward to seeing you again. Uh, Please stay with us for the council meeting, which will start immediately. Council will now reconvene from our earlier session and there is no unfinished business from that session. There is one proclamation being read this evening. Uh, Councilwoman Lewis and fellow co-sponsors, will you please read proclamation 24-0257?
12: Yes. Proclamation number 24-0257. Recognizing Black History Month and community commitment to collaborate to collaborative progress. My apologies. Whereas Denver is made up of many people from many diverse backgrounds who have had to overcome legal discrimination and the violent subjugation to build a community united and continuing the course to equity while celebrating the successes made and.
15: Whereas the Denver City Council honors and acknowledges each week that the land on which we reside is the traditional territory of the Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho peoples, recognizing the 48 contemporary tribal nations that are historically tied to the land that makes up the state of Colorado, and whereas since the atrocities committed on November 29, 1864, the Sand Creek Massacre remains a reminder of one of the most emotionally charged and controversial events in American history. A tragedy reflective of its time
12: and place in colorado and whereas the city and county of denver indeed celebrates a rich cultural history within its black community epitomized by vibrant neighborhoods like five points affectionately dubbed the harlem of the west it is essential to acknowledge the profound harm inflicted upon black individuals throughout the city's history Despite the cultural richness and resilience demonstrated by black communities, they have endured systemic racism, discrimination, and marginalization at the hands of both institutional structures and societal prejudice, prejudices. And?
14: And whereas in the city and county of Denver, the black population has faced a legacy of the systemic oppression from the era of segregation and redlining, that restricted access to housing and economic opportunities and the erasure and exploitation of black culture and labor have been pervasive, with contributes often overlooked or appropriated without proper acknowledgment or compensation and
5: Whereas the City city and County of Denver recognizes our difficult history with the Ku Klux Klan who had a powerful presence from our State House to Denver City Council Chambers in shaping early discriminatory policy in our city's foundations, and whereas Chicanos and Latinos have called Colorado and Denver home for generations before there was a United States, and the pre-colonization of indigenous ancestors who birthed a national consciousness of the Chicano movement, including the 221-day strike at the Kitayama Carnation Farm Denver's West High School Walkout, and the Denver Chicano Youth Liberation Conference, and.
11: Whereas, Denver's Asian American and Pacific Islander community has a long celebrated history in Denver, the Vietnamese community's important presence in the city, including their leadership in the establishment of the Far East Center, which has been placed on the state's register of historic buildings. The Chinese community's successes in constructing Denver's historic Chinatown before a mob destroyed businesses, residences, and killed one Chinese resident. The Japanese community's preservation of Sakura Square, home to Denver's annual Cherry Blossom Festival and the Tri-State Buddhist Fest Temple, and that many of the Japanese Americans currently living in Denver are direct descendants of America's shameful history of Japanese internment at Amachi Incarceration
14: and whereas xenophobia and anti-immigrant sentiment continues to impact newcomers to denver whether they are latino asian south asian arab or african and whereas the movement for lgbtqia rights and liberation has always been uh, built upon learned from and intersected with the civil rights movement included what was called the gay revolt at denver city council in 1973 where 350 protesters came to a city council meeting. 35 people testified for three hours to address unfair treatment of their community by the police. And the next month, city council repealed four ordinances targeting the community, and?
16: Whereas Denver, as the birthplace of the Americans with Disabilities Act via the activism of the Gang Gang of 19 in 1978, recognizes that grassroots advocacy by civil rights groups leads to material policy change for marginalized groups and whereas Denver's faith communities, including Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Sikh, Buddhist, and Hindu have often banded together in the pursuit of racial justice and civil rights, and.
12: Whereas communities of color are united in confronting white supremacy by emphasizing the similar forms of oppression, black and brown people, including shared experiences of subjugation. And whereas the city council of Denver remembers Denver's own root Rodolfo Corky Gonzalez was personally asked by Dr. Martin Luther King to lead the Southwest contingency for the Poor People's March on December, on D.C. in 1968, cementing the strength we gain when we unify and we call on the people of Denver to remember the words Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. wrote to Cesar Chavez, our separate struggles are really one. Now,
5: therefore, be it proclaimed, by this Council of the City and County of Denver. Section one, the City Council of Denver recognizes February 2024 as Black History Month to celebrate all Black Denverites, their sacrifices, their struggles, and their achievements that have added to the health and wealth of our city today and the progress made to create a more just society.
14: And section two, the City Council of Denver recognizes that marginalized groups should stand united or unified with the black community, honoring the cultures and the contributions of indigenous, Latino, Arab, and Asian Americans in pursuit of a more just society.
12: Section three, the City Council of Denver recognizes the need to uplift all marginalized and downtrodden communities by addressing the structural and institutional barriers that prevent everyone from having an opportunity to life, liberty, and the pursuit of justice
7: beautiful thank, thank you, you councilman
12: lewis your motion to adopt i move to adopt proclamation 240257 thank you very much and that's been moved and seconded i uh, will start
7: with comments of council and i've got councilwoman lewis queued up first please join the queue if you would like
12: to speak councilwoman lewis um thank you so much i um wanted to take the opportunity um, as we celebrate the last monday um, in black history month to really think about where the opportunities are to unite our communities. We've seen a lot of um, vitriol, and we've seen a lot of division in our communities. Um, And I thought it would be a great opportunity, um, as the only black woman on this council, quite frankly, um, to bring us all together and to understand that our uh, struggles are really bound up in one another. And so um, I really appreciate my colleagues um, and their, um, commitments and desire to join um, join me to co-sponsor this proclamation, really showing our united front um, as a body. While we may not agree on everything, I think this is an opportunity for us to show our communities that we um, are looking to figure out how we unite um, and to begin to and begin to um, create a movement um, where we are figuring out where are the things that actually bring us together and not focusing on the things that separate us. And so I'd like to thank, I'm um, Councilwoman Parody, um, Councilman Watson, Councilwoman Sawyer, um, Councilwoman Torres, Councilwoman Alvidres councilwoman Gonzalez Gutierrez and councilman Cashman um, for you all's commitment and I will say that there are folks who are not on this proclamation not because they didn't have an interest in sponsoring it unfortunately I got food poisoning so I only could call a few of y'all so (laughs) for those that I missed I do apologize I love you and I appreciate you um, and would love to hear from my colleagues but I think um, we have an opportunity to lead um, in this in this city um, and to lead our country in the direction in which we should be going in. Um, and I wanted to start that here in our council chambers um, and to start that here in our city. And so thank you. Thank you
5: so much. Councilwoman Gonzalez Gutierrez. Thank you, Madam President. And I do want to thank uh, again Councilwoman Lewis for for doing that outreach. and um, you know we've had conversations recently about what we're seeing play out in our communities um, when it comes to the the, the divisions. And um, I, just, I just really appreciate this because I think this is, this is the way um, that we do this. I'm honored to be a member of the Chicano community and to stand alongside the black community in honoring our ancestors and standing together to continue the progress that they started. Your struggle is our struggle. And when we rise up together, we are stronger than trying to fight these fights alone. It reminds me of a poem uh that has been recited in spaces actually just in the last few weeks from actually a couple people here in the room today um and i want to recognize um i have a few members from my family who who joined us today my my mother my father and my aunt um, who have all been part of the chicano movement um, and have done amazing work and have taught me uh, so much and to be proud of that and to also be proud of the partnership um, that was that was always um, uh, fostered between the, the Black and Chicano communities. So, in La Kesh.
1: Writing. Right.
5: in La tú eres mi otro yo. You are my other me. Si te hago daño a ti, if I do harm to you, me hago daño a mí mismo. I do harm to myself. Si te amo y respeto. If I love and respect you, me amo y respeto yo. I love and respect myself. By Luis Valdez. Thank you, Madam President.
7: Thank you so much. Councilman Watson.
14: Thank you, Madam President. Um, I think the, the power in this proclamation and the power in the opportunity of folks speaking to each other about unity, speaking to each other about the opportunities to come together, um, is important. I think that is fundamentally one of the most important things of leaders is to really listen to community and to find ways within community that we can come together and speak on issues whether we have full agreement or not but also speak on 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 these issues based on our shared values our shared values of love for community love for each other and i know within this council i am greatly honored to serve with councilwoman uh chantelle lewis Uh, councilwoman lewis and i go way back Um, we've known each other for a very long time and i do appreciate in all of these moments as we've sat here as the only two black folks on this council. Um, we have made sure that our disagreements, uh, if we have any on policy, do not change the impact and love that we have for each other and the love that we have for working collaboratively in community together. Um, and that is what I hope this proclamation elevates, that there will be opportunities for us throughout community and throughout the next three years to identify um, issues, um, um, policies, that we can work together on for the benefit of the good of all. Um, I know that Councilwoman and I have agreed from the onset of our campaigns until our, through our election until tonight as well. Um, I am grateful for each of my colleagues for joining this proclamation, and I appreciate Councilwoman Lewis uh, for leading in this proclamation tonight. Thank you so much, Madam President.
7: Thank you. Councilwoman Alvidrez. Thank you, Council President.
15: Yes, what great timing for this. and I'm. I feel lucky that I uh, was one of the few people that you reached out to, but it's been something that's been on my heart a lot lately, and it was definitely on my heart over the weekend and yesterday <coughs> when I was actually at the Far East Center in Council President Torres's district um, at the Far East Center, and it's so inspiring um, to be there and see what can happen when diversity is elevated and I think South Federal is such a great example of that and something that's been on my heart and mind as um, as we've been going through this time and with our migrant crisis in particular, um, was, you know, I was going to dinner on South Federal to a Vietnamese restaurant with my dad recently and, and next door was like a Mexican hair cutting place. And my dad's like, isn't that funny? Like you have all these different businesses right next to each other. And I said, yeah, and you know, maybe soon there'll be a a Venezuelan restaurant or business there too, um, and a black business over here on South Federal. And he was like, wow, yeah, I didn't realize that. That's a really interesting thought. And so I think as we find ways to come together and build community together, um, that will lead to a truly a a city that we can be part of. So thank you, Councilwoman um, Lewis, for putting this proclamation together and allowing me to be a part of it and including so many different groups um, when black voices don't get elevated enough already and we don't talk about Black History Month enough already to be so inclusive, to use your uh, Black History Month proclamation to be so
7: inclusive is a real sign of leadership, so thank you for that. Thank you, Council President. Thank you you very much, thank you. I'll make a, um, a quick comment myself and I wanna highlight this amazing group to my left over here to your right in the green t-shirts. These are the kids of Sun Valley Youth Center with Chris Rollerson, who's the executive director. Um, and I wanted to highlight, they were actually here for general public comment and I asked them to say because this is so important and I think um, you help us demonstrate um, the intent behind this proclamation. Uh, Sun Valley is one of the very unique neighborhoods in this city um, that's been home to many generations of um, some of the greatest diversity of residents um, that I've ever seen. Denver Housing Authority and Mercy Housing over time welcoming refugees uh, from around the world and residents from Denver of all backgrounds, African American, Latino, Chicano, Mexican American, Vietnamese, Middle Eastern, um, communities of different countries, different skin colors, different faiths, who come together because they care about their community they care about each other's families, and they care about each other's futures. Um, Sun Valley Center, you show me every day why our unity is so important, the example that we set for this generation that you serve, um, and that we can collaborate, support each other, um, and live out those words that Councilwoman Gonzalez-Cathieres um, said tonight of Luis Valdez. Um, so I wanna thank you for being here. They also brought um, a token, uh, for the council members um, uh, literally um, wanting to thank council for their support of out of school time. And uh, they have brought actual parts, pieces of that community, Sun Valley, the bricks from the community projects, the housing projects that were torn down that they have painted based on our pictures from the website.
8: can't wait.
7: <laughs> um, so thank you for sticking around. Thank you for all that you do at Sun Valley Youth Center and you really do exemplify um, why this intention is so important. Um, so uh, thank you. And I also thank every single community member who has um, come here today or is even watching this proclamation um, and what our dedication is to this entire city. Um, so with that, Madam Secretary, roll call please.
3: Alvidrez. Aye. Flynn.
11: Aye.
3: Gilmore. Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez. Aye. Hines. Cashman. Aye. Lewis. Aye. Parody. Aye. Romero-Campbell. Aye. Sandoval. Aye. Sawyer. Watson. Aye. Madam President.
7: Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 11 eyes. 11 eyes. Proclamation 24-0257 has been adopted, and we'd like to begin acceptance uh, of the proclamation, which will include some speakers from the audience. I'll start with Councilwoman Lewis, if you have a set of speakers that you'd like to invite up.
12: Yes, Um, I'd like to call up a few people um, to accept this proclamation. So we have some folks who are accepting the proclamation on behalf of um, the Brother Jeff Cultural Center, um, we'd also like to call up our auntie, Anita Gonzalez. She doesn't know she's our auntie until <laughs> today. <laughs> I'd like to call up my other auntie, um, uh, Pam Richard. Um I'd love for you to also accept this proclamation. Um, uh, Pastor uh, Terrence Hughes, I was going to say <laughs> Pastor T. Um, Carol Carter, who's a represent- representative from our youth. Um, the Honorable Ayonte Anderson and um, Medea Holmes, if you all could come up don't all rush at once oh did i miss you ronnie i sure did i'm sorry ronnie um and uh Deron turner my bad my apologies
7: miss nita miss Need. please please go ahead don't be shy come on oh, okay yeah, I'm not sure I'm
18: already-
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry, I need to go first. I gotta yeah. go bake. I got orders tomorrow. Um, we'll whatever you bring us. <laughs> my name is Pamela Richard. I am a Denver and Colorado native. I grew up in Five Points, like original Five Points. And Five Points was Five Points when, when it was for Harlem of the West. Um, the city came in and did eminent domain on my grandmother's house at 2825 Tremont. It was across the street from Duncan's Men's Store she had a big picture window. I used to look at that picture window, and I used to see the sharpest dressed black men ever. They'd have on the colors, just bright fluorescent colors. Um, later on, when her house, we lost the house, we moved across the boulevard, that's what it was called then. We moved over by the Dahlia, and her house is still there now. I currently reside in Montbello. Um, I went to all Denver public schools. I went to Mitchell. I went to originally Whittier-Mitchell. Um, my mother put us into... Koonsmiller because she wanted to do voluntary busing. When it became real busing, I went to University Park, uh, by, out by DU, and then I went to Koonsmiller, I went to Hill, I used my grandmother's address, across the boulevard, I lived over in East Denver, to go to TJ with my friends. So I'm, I'm well-versed, I've lived here most of my life, other than if I live in Alaska. What I find to be a problem that I see happening now are education, I grew up with black teachers, Black principals, Miss Bearfield. I'm the best speller ever because of Miss Bearfield. I don't misspell. Um, lack of black teachers. I think of the education system, no black teachers, no black, not, not enough black teachers, not enough black administrators. Um, representation matters. We need people that look like us so that we know what we're supposed to be doing. Um housing. I, I bought my house um 20 years ago. I wanted to buy another house five years ago, and I would have to sell myself to be able to buy a new house. I can't buy a house here in Denver so I'm, I I am where I am and I'm fine with that but that should not be like that. Should not be where you can't you can't you can't move around, you can't go anywhere else. Um I don't want to say I'm stuck, but I'm getting older now. I don't want to work 70 hours a week to pay for a house. So I am, I am where I am. Um I just think that again like the educational system, the businesses, um the lack of support Everyone gets support except black people, but yet we're the ones, in my opinion, the ones that elevate everyone else, but we're the ones that get the least amount of support. Um, You name a number, you name any kind of stat, black people are are not at the highest on those stats. Um, I am college educated, I went to Metro, I have an MBA, I I went to UNC, so I know about education, education was stressed in my family, but I also had a family and people when we lived in Five Points, it was community. People would say, aren't you Helen's granddaughter? Why are you over here? What do are you, aren't you Irma Jeans daughter? What are you doing over here? I, I, where I live, now I know four neighbors. I don't know their kids. I don't, I don't, I've never felt that sense of community since that time. Um, so I would just encourage you to do more about helping us get businesses. I am a business owner. I own Miss Tea Body 7 Tea Cakes, um, which I gotta go bake in a few minutes, but I struggle, I struggle. And, and, I'm, and I'm not stupid, I know how to find resources, and I know how to find things, but there's not enough things for me to find, there's not enough, I can't afford to lease a building, to, to I can't afford to have a brick and mortar, you know, because there's just, I just can't afford it, and it's not just me, I can't afford it, I, um, because of the housing, the education, so I just wish that there's something that you can do to help us, elevate us economically. Um, I read a quote today where a woman was saying that she lives in Atlanta and she flies first class. And she never ever gets questioned about flying first class in Atlanta because other people are used to seeing black people have what they have and live where they live. That doesn't happen here. So let us all be able to fly in first class. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
14: Thank you.
18: Good evening. Mm-hmm. When I started this, it's I never thought, let me, let me begin. I'm probably one of a few of us in the room that is a lot older than others in the room, been around a long time. I grew up in the Denver, quite frankly, in East Denver, High Points and Coal, where my family grew up. We, I grew up in a time when Rodolfo Corgi Gonzalez taught me that we needed to unify, that we needed to be together, not against one another. He taught me that, and he not only taught me that, he showed me that. Mm-hmm. And that has been a value in my life, in the work I've done in education and other things. But I never imagined I would be able to come before Denver City Council, because I, a probably, I did enough protests, sit ins, and arrests in rallies that I call it my community service. Beat every case, but never came to this council and felt welcome Mm -hmm. in my younger years Mm -hmm. and in denver you're right we have work to do but what i never imagined we would have the type of leadership on city council we have today thank you very much for that proclamation it inspires me to continue the work see there's not retirement in my language or in our people's language you don't retire can't afford to anyway i'm going to be working all my life but in the fight against racism and injustice and inhumanity, the unity of black, brown communities, red communities, Native Americans, Asian communities, in Arab communities, we have got to know, as Nelson Mandela eloquently stated, to not to deny people their human rights is to challenge their very humanity. Let this proclamation recommit our alliance an alliance that in all in all of its goodness should speak to that humanity to justice and equity bells values i was taught i was taught even though we had 30% of the population doesn't mean that you tr- that you lead the same way that you lead oppressively you lead from serv- servant leadership and love you lead, lead from humanity. So to my niece, thank you for reminding us to do that. To Chantal, to Councilwoman Lewis, thank you for reminding us to do that with this proclamation. And together we can build a better Denver where every individual, regardless of color, is treated with respect and dignity. But most importantly, a Denver that will take care of all of citizens in an equal way and not deny that. Now, my grandson, my grandson is the character, he's eight years old, thinks he shouldn't go to school, so he don't want an education, apparently. But one of the things that disturbs him is when he goes to Paco Sanchez Park and he sees people treat little kids or other kids that are different, poorly, disrespectfully. So I'm always having to go and have conversations with adults. Not kids, adults. So I, I bring that up because you're going to be that role model for them. So thank you. For, for him, he's so proud. I was coming because I told him. And, you know, older cousins are really Tia. So that Aunt Anna was going to be doing a proclamation. And, and Aunt Amanda, and he knows, you know, says, oh, he was very excited about that. And they're watching it on TV, I'm sure, right now. <laughs> but that's who we need to model for. And the city council, as I said, uh, I'm emotional that I would stand there at this time and hear this proclamation. Mil gracias. Buenas noches.
22: Good evening. My name is Daron Turner. (coughs) We've been here, my husband and I, in Denver for 26 years now. So I'm not originally from here. I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is a place that is highly segregated still to this day. Um, When an individual attacks another person, it's oftentimes because they don't see themselves as it relates to the person they're attacking. From the most basic perspective, because women are under attack on so many levels, it begs the question, do we as a group not value black women? I know that as someone that regularly and diligently votes, it's important that city council folks work together. When we segregate ourselves solely based on difference of opinion, is that really doing the job of creating one Denver? Where's the sacrifice for the people of the city? If you're only about what will best serve your neighborhood then folks begin to justify individual attacks on the only black woman on the city council. I'm here to support her, which I've done from day one. Please understand, as a mother, wife, and sister to many, I vote regularly, and I'm watching. If we can't function as we, then who are we to say we're for the people? Attacks on women by other women is unacceptable. If we don't protect each other, it becomes empty words and empty promises. If this is the behavior that is displayed on camera, I shudder to think how certain members are treated behind closed doors. We have an amazing group of people that just started the process of making the city a catalyst for collective growth and change. So stop with the teenage angst and shine bright together.
8: Good evening, everyone. Um, I want to thank Councilwoman Chantelle Lewis and all the co-sponsors who have signed on to this proclamation um so it's fundamentally important to me that we rise as a community and pass proclamations that are meaningful that create disruption that help us as a group of human beings recognize the fight and struggles so many of groups of people within our great denver community face every single day proclamations that are strong and stand, and stand firm in the belief progress must be made and we must fight for a world where people are free and liberated not just at peace but live in a place where our communities people where our communities' people are liberated from oppression, period. I want to begin my remarks today by grounding us in the beautifully wise and true to us in this time and moment words spoken by Afini Shakur. Um, beginning of quote. Trust me, you can't change anything without causing some degree of disruption. It's impossible that it is exactly what change is. Some people are uncomfortable with the disruption that change causes, but the disruption is necessary if anything is going to change, end of quote. Afini Shakur's words rest heavy on my heart as I stand in this chamber in front of you all today. It is a great privilege to stand here and accept a proclamation made in honor of the legacy and present existence of black people in this city, state and nation. Some some might say that these proclamation are meaningless, and they will try to argue that proclamations do not leave an impact for this city. To those folks, I say BS. Words are powerful. Literature is powerful. The way we choose to use platforms of influence is impact. Um, influence to impact our world is powerful. The way we know words are, and symbols are powerful is when we look at the MLK monument located in our very own city park that was vandalized in the name of hate. In the name of someone in our own city park, um, oh, in the name of someone being uncomfortable with figures and symbols who live a life of fighting for true, impactful change that would result in progress towards liberation. We all have asked the question, why would someone be so scared, so in terror, so much in anger, they would feel the need to damage something filled with words, drawings, uh, literally artistry, which in itself is powerful, but that's another conversation. Um, but why would someone feel the need to, um, to damage some material thing that may mean nothing to someone else passing by. Well, I think um, Afini Shakur's words said it best. You can't change anything without causing some degree of disruption. The monument is a form of disruption. The monument is one that educates, uplifts, and empowers black people, brown people, Asian people, Indian people, indigenous people, Samoan people, Arab people, Caucasian people, and anyone in our community. Um, And so anyone that dreams of a world where we all can live free together under a set of understanding of each other's humanity, under a set of understanding in each other's freedom to live in liberation, free from a colonial rule, state occupier, whatever you want to call it. Today, Today, this proclamation is one that is disrupting something. It's disrupting the years and years of continued blindness this city has put on the power black people have had in the fight for liberation. It's disrupting the idea or notion that the city council has to be a place where we simply call for peace and unity, when truly that's not the answer. This proclamation is a symbol of our wider Denver communities, not elected, but Denver communities, people, Um, people's fight who are already, who already acknowledged the fight for black liberation that also coexists in the fight for all of humanity. I am thankful to put my full support behind the proclamation as a young black, indigenous and Simone queer DPS student that understands my generation and the generation who now has the unbelievable burden of continuing the fight of so many outstandingly amazing liberation fighters. Um, So now we get to see a dope black woman um who is the one of three um city council women black women to enact such a meaningful proclamation that grounds us in the reality and truth we shall hold close to our hearts as we continue the work as human beings in this community and i would like to end by saying as a council i hope you all will take this proclamation serious and take it with understanding you all have an obligation to do what is needed to progress us forward towards liberation and for some of you, that will require doing a full 360 on some of the choices you've made as elected. This will require you all truly listen and respect the voices of all marginalized groups. It will require you not stay blinded by your own privilege. It will require you to understand the history of American slavery and the effects white supremacy has had in shaping the policies and political landscape we currently live under. It will require you put community voice over your own voice and interest. It will require you all do everything in your power to find ways to bring reparations to the table in terms of the local level. It requires you find ways to stop gentrification, ways to stop treating our homeless community in an inhumanely way. Essentially, it will require you leave these chambers and truly reflect on whether you are a liberation fighter, and if not, then you truly do not respect the proclamation being made here today. I end my time with a huge bundle of gratitude to my councilwoman, Chantelle Lewis. Uh, I, am thankful to a resi- I am thankful to be a resident, student, and community member living in your district under your leadership. Um, it was an honor speaking here today, and I hope you all know that as a Black young man of color whose liberation is tied in with the liberation of many other brothers and sisters, it is important I use this moment to also say Free Palestine and Happy Black History Month. I'm Carol Carter, a 16-year-old DPS student, uh, artist, community leader. Peace and blessings to you all.
23: I don't have a whole lot really prepared. But I stand here proud of Woman Lewis, and having the um, temerity to put this proclamation hand together all your, your uh, constituents together for. It. I was a bit nervous on whether it would pass. If I could be quite honest with you, I, I was here two weeks ago when the other proclamation. I, wasn't a perfect proclamation, but what was perfect about it was it was asking the stopping genocide. I thought it was a no-brainer. And so when this proclamation came up, I I too thought it was a no-brainer. So I was not, but I was not uh, convinced that it would be easily or unanimously passed. Um, I thank you all for doing that. I do pray that uh, when the items come up and you hear Chantel speak and also uh, Mr. Watson speak about black issues, that you won't say, well, that's not my issue. And they're not saying it perfectly, so we can't pass that measure. Because when I hear this proclamation of how everybody signed on into their own individual groupings, I don't know if you understand. For me, that stood out for me. That even though this was a proclamation in Black History Month, each and every person had their own area in which it spoke to. I just know that here, I've been here in this town for uh, longer than my two constituents behind me have been alive. (laughs) And I've seen a lot of things, and I'm not impressed with... um, Um, with identity politics because we've had black mayors and we've had black city council people and yet um, five points is still uh, unprotected has been for a long time still has the worst light rail door to rail uh, center in the whole state just saying it is what it is so there are black issues and so I would ask you not to say, oh, I'm colorblind when it comes down to these black issues and realize that they are important to everybody, just like you signed on to this proclamation today. I, I, I want to say this, um, you know, it, up in, in the big White House in Washington, there is a, um, we have a bunch of caucuses, the Latino caucus, the Congressional Black Caucus, and, the, uh, and so on and so forth the Asian Pacific American caucus, everybody has their own caucus. And let me tell you what came to me during the discussion. It was the Congressional Black Caucus. I I encourage you to go to their website and read their, their mission statement. I encourage you to read all of their mission statements and you will see the Congressional Black Caucus is the only one that has inclusive language of everybody. All the other ones speak specifically to their groupings issues, specifically. So we have been those people. We have been those people in the seats you're in. We've been those people in the mayor's seats. We've been those seats everywhere across this city. And so I just ask you to honor your commitment that you're signing on to tonight. And as a pastor, I'll leave you with this. Out of Micah. And he said, he had sold me old man, and I'm going to use inclusive language, old person. What is good and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Now, I just encourage you to whoever and however you worship and you're coming across these issues, you go to your God not yourself, and see the inclusiveness in what needs to happen. I thank you all for passing this proclamation. I thank you for the honor to speak to it. Thank you.
0: Dr. Martin Luther King said, we may have all come on different ships, but we're in the same boat now. I'm grateful that the council has agreed that Black History Month is a month to be celebrated. I, too, share Pastor Hughes's um, the, the potential doubt as if, if this resolution or, pass, or this proclamation would pass. Because as an entity and as a city, we have not lived the values of this proclamation. This body has not lived the values of this proclamation with yourselves, as colleagues, and how you interact with those who sent you to this. Our history as a black history began in Jamestown, Virginia, in this country, on a slave auction block where people that look like me were told that they were only worth a dollar amount. They stood on a block while people shouted out numbers and while they were purchased and then put into slavery or were enslaved. They had laws passed to say that they should not be able to read. There was a war between our country from one side and another to say black individuals should remain enslaved. Children were murdered in that civil war. And now today, 200 years later, we all all agree that bombing children, killing children, slaughtering children, and innocent individuals was wrong during the Civil War. I hope that, that we are able to say the same in 2024, even if the issue doesn't impact the Denver City Council, because history is only repeating itself. We then go into Reconstruction, where we were promised as, a, as, as black people, we were promised this country was going to live up to its values on which it was founded upon. And a president was assassinated and that dream was never fulfilled. We then continue to go into Jim Crow and go in into the where people are being lynched, where young boys are being brutally murdered to the point to where they're unrecognizable, and when a black mother had the opportunity to close her son's casket because of what white America did to her child, she said, no, keep the casket open because I want them to see what they've done to my baby." But we thought we would get through that through the civil rights movement. And then we end up where all of us in the middle of a global pandemic are pausing and looking at Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever social media platform you use. And we see a white officer with his knee to the neck of a black man. And right outside of these chambers, thousands of people chanted Black Lives Matter. We thought things were going to change then. They did not. We had symbolic laws passed, and folks said that we believe Black Lives Matter. You all put an Instagram, a Black Instagram, square on Instagram, this showed your solidarity. But actions never changed to show that Black Lives Matter. So it is my hope that this body leads with their actions, not just in a proclamation. I'm grateful that Councilwoman Lewis and others have sponsored this proclamation, have given us the opportunity to speak on it. But now this is your opportunity to match the proclamation's words with your actions because we're watching. Again, you're only in this seat on loan because of who sent you to these seats. And we are expecting you to live audaciously around the core principle that black lives do matter. I'm grateful that we're having this moment, but this moment has come too late. And finally, as I said before, we all said murdering innocent individuals was wrong. And I hope that people will also echo that statement in 2024. And even if you disagree or have policy disagreements, it should not come at the expense or the dehumanization of your black city council member who is only one of three black women to ever serve in this chamber.
24: Alrighty, then I'm going to round us out then. Um, I don't think I can say anything else that has not already been said pertaining to the Gratefulness and the gratitude of this proclamation. So I'm not going to give you that. I actually am going to give each and every one of you a hard truth. So when we talk about unity, when we talk about being collective, when we have all of those words that are supposed to be resounding in our spirits, I think it's not missed on me. Something that I witnessed as I prepared to come and talk to you, nonverbal communication matters. As the people of this city came to talk to you today for just 30 minutes, not one of you stayed connected. Not one of you allowed the dignity of this podium to resonate for 30 minutes. I saw people on their computer, their phone, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to wonder or ask or question what it was about, but I do know for 30 minutes, your people came to you to have conversation. When you seek votes, you ask for our attention. You ask us to give you a chance. You ask us to listen. And then when you are given this trusted responsibility, you ask us to support you. You ask us to lean in, but I sat and watched the people of my city talk to you for 30 minutes. And I can't say that any of the leaders on this panel offered that dignity for 30 minutes. That disrupted my soul because right thereafter, we talked about the need to unify, to be collective, to see each other. How can you see your constituency if you don't look up from your computer? How can you see your constituency if even presented with the hard truth, you're rationalizing why you didn't. The reason there were so many "whereas" is, in that proclamation, were because we haven't been able to transcend the misanthropy that gave us those "whereas" clauses. None of you have a position of power, and I hope you understand that and embrace that. You have a a position of responsibility, trusted responsibility at that. If you see your position as power, you will never be able to have the proximity that you need in order to serve. But if you see your position as responsibility you're leaving yourself, op- yourself open for a relationship with your constituency. So my recommendation to you is to not look to us for gratitude of this proclamation. Find the gratitude yourself. Because your constituency wants you to be a servant leader. this side of the room holds a responsibility this seat or this this space right here is the most powerful space in this room and i hope you embrace that city council has not been accessible for so many years because of the foundational systems that ensured that it was only afforded to specific people in a very specific way. If we start to break those barriers, the only way that that barrier is truly broken is if those that break it do not assimilate to that system. When your people come to speak to you, I challenge each and every one of you to find it in your busy schedule, to listen for 30 minutes. 10 people, because you give them three minutes, 10 people came to speak to you tonight. And it hurts my heart to say that those 10 people did not get the dignity of eye contact or the respect that this position, in this, this, this podium deserves. But you ask us to be here. You tell us that you're accessible. So that is my call to action to each and every one of you is to understand your responsibility and to understand that the people that you are an echo of are watching. We are paying attention. And we deserve your attention. If this proclamation is going to unify us, if you all are going to be united as a council, you have to look each other in the eye. But if we can't get it, I can only imagine what it's like when we're not around. non-verbals matter and we as a community we talk to each other when when i talk to my community about my experience today that will be my narrative and i hope if i come back i get to see something different from each of you don't conform to the systems that have divided us for so long. We deserve better, and I know that you know better. These are our chambers. And so tonight, I leave you with these words. We are reclaiming our chambers. Thank you.
7: Thank you all so much, and thank you for those observations and that call to action, appreciate it. Um, uh, let's see, tonight we don't have any public hearings. On Monday, April 8th, 2024, Council will hold a required public hearing on Council Bill 24-0089, changing the zoning classification for multiple properties in Hale. Any protests against Council Bill 24-0089 must be filed with the council offices no later than noon on Monday, April 1st. There being no further business before this body, this meeting is adjourned. Thank you all.